and he was transfigured before them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I mean, dear friends, uh, as we continue in this uh, second Sunday uh, in uh, Lent, we see now our Lord uh, transfigures uh, before his uh, disciples. Uh, and here we start to, as we progress in this Lenten season, we see uh, our human limitations. And at the same time, we start to grasp a little bit more, I hope, uh, the wisdom of God in the way he arranges the things as he does. We look at a little bit uh, in the Old Testament, uh, then uh, uh, God speaks to Moses. And God speaks to Moses, who went up into the mountain to pray for 40 days and 40 nights. And there he speaks to Moses on Mount Horeb. And there Moses comes back down with the uh, with the law written on stone. Uh, and he uh, disseminates this law to his people. Christ would leave the desert to bring forth the new law of grace uh, to be written not on stone but upon our hearts. But even prior to this, God would be called in the Old Testament uh, El Shaddai, uh, as we read in the book of Genesis, uh, the God of the mountain, God who would speak to uh, our first uh, patriarch Abraham uh, upon the mountain and who would uh, uh, ask his son, ask him to sacrifice his son Isaac on Mount Moriah. And we start to see throughout the uh, uh, weeks of Lent, we see our Lord goes into the mountain in the desert. We see uh, our Lord now transfigures on Mount Tabor. And then in a few weeks, we'll see our Lord does the, the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves uh, upon a mountain. And then finally, our Lord will himself go to the ultimate mountain, uh, Mount Calvary, where he will be crucified and die for love of us. All this to point out the reminder, which the, the Old Testament directly sort of seems to point out to us that those who come towards God must climb. Uh, and therefore, ultimately, we are climbing to the ultimate summit, which is to reach the heart of God. And that is uh, the purpose of our Lenten exercise, to draw closer uh, to our Lord. When Father Gofine in his liturgical year asked the question, why was Christ transfigured in the presence of his uh, the apostles on Mount Tabor? He responds uh, very beautifully saying, to permit them to see the glorious majesty of his divinity, to guard them from doubts, when they should afterwards see him die on Mount Calvary, to encourage the disciples and all the faithful uh, to be patient in all their crosses and afflictions. For the bodies of the just at the resurrection will be made like to the glory of the body of Christ. And our Lord's transfiguration should remind us primarily that our Lord's our Lord's normal presence is precisely should have been this uh, our Lord had to hide this glory from them in order not to uh, put the apostles off from drawing close to him. Remember Moses, when he came down from the mountain and spoke to, after speaking with God, the, uh, uh, his brother and uh, the Israelites, they ran away. They were afraid of him because of the brightness that shone forth from his face. And it was simply because Moses was talking to God through the burning bush how much more uh, the very presence of God himself in the flesh, our Lord, should have, uh, by his very brightness, by his person, 
would blind us by how uh, beautiful and radiant he was. So our Lord had to hide this as a normal mode when dwelling with uh, his apostles. But what we can certainly draw from this beautiful episode in the life of our Lord is that our Lord brings this reality uh, to the attention of the apostles, as Father Gofine rightly firstly points out, that to use that as an encouragement to the apostles for the sorrows that are going to befall them uh, not long after, to remind them of who he is. Uh, and what's interesting here is who is it that our Lord speaks with? Our Lord speaks with uh, uh, both uh, uh, Moses and Elias. Both Moses and Elias, Elias prefiguring uh, the prophets uh, and Moses representing the law. But we just go back a little bit. When when John the Baptist had first come on the scene in his public ministry, uh, the uh, Pharisees came uh, to John and they asked him, uh, Are you Elias? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he said, No. And they therefore said to him, who are you then that we may give answer to them that has sent us? Uh, what say you of yourself? And he said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, make straight uh, the way of the Lord. And he said, uh, the prophet, uh, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they asked him and said to him, Why then do you baptize if you are not uh, Christ, nor Elias, nor the prophet? And my point here in quoting that, is notice that the Pharisees make the distinction between Christ and the prophet. Well, the Christ being the Messiah and the prophet being the one prophesied by Moses towards the end of his life, telling him that his people that they will come to you, one, a prophet like unto myself. And Christ was in talking both with Moses and Elias, is reminding us that he is both the Messiah and the prophet, the greatest of the prophets, the final end of all the prophets, uh, uh, the God in the, the flesh. As St. Paul rightly says, in, in former days God spoke to us through the prophets, but now finally through his own Son. So our Lord uh, reminding us, yes, that he is both the prophet and the Messiah, but who will also endure, uh, the, be the suffering uh, Messiah, the suffering prophet who would redeem his people as Isaiah clearly alludes to uh, in his uh, in his works, uh, Christ he reminding us also of his power. What power does Christ have? Power over all the elements, uh, and and this is uh, an interesting episode for us uh, today, because you know Saint Peter is enamoured enamoured of our Lord. He's enamoured of the whole situation. And he wants to, to draw close to our Lord. Lord, this is great for us to be here. Let us make uh, three tabernacles. One for uh, you, one for Moses, one for Elias. Uh, let us make three tabernacles. Beautiful and great to dwell with you. Uh, let us make this a beautiful scene. Maybe the end of all that we wanted in life. Uh, a beautiful dwelling place. And uh, this is a natural response. Uh, we all want uh, the good life, but the danger is here is we can be short-sighted. This was only uh, an encouragement for the reality and the sorrows that were uh, to come. St. Peter seems to 
glory in the moment, but not profit from the grace that's being held out at the moment. In other words, there are uh, many great uh, realities in our life, the things that we will see, things that we will ponder, things that we will consider. But the danger is to make them an end in themselves. We see beautiful things, we hear beautiful things, but they are there to lead us to something higher. In fact, that is the very definition of our purpose of meditation. Our purpose of meditation is not just to have a think about something beautiful or imagine something beautiful, but to ponder the thing that we have been placed before us, the idea, the image, whatever it is, in order to draw a beautiful, a profound grace from that to lead us closer to our Lord. Often we, we see things, we hear things, but we fail to profit from them. We even fail to look at things and to be able to marvel. You know, in Scripture we, we read that the centurion comes to our Lord to heal his servant. And he, he says to our Lord that he's not worthy that our Lord should come to his place. And our Lord, on hearing these words from the centurion, uh, says in St. Luke's Gospel, uh, he marveled and turned to the multitude that followed him and said, Amen, I say to you, I have not found so great a faith not even in Israel. Our Lord's uh, marveled, astounded by the uh, the faith of this man. But this reality, many times in the Gospel, where our Lord marvels, our Lord looks to uh, the higher reality in the situation that's being presented. And I think here this is part of the mistake of St. Peter. Rightly, St. Peter is an armoured of our Lord and he wants to be with our Lord and he wants to be uh, a closer union with our Lord and maybe a long, a lifelong union with our Lord and a beautiful reality that is. Uh, and we see a very similar situation today uh, in the, the Gospel as what happened elsewhere with St. Peter in another Gospel where St. Peter sees our Lord walking on the water. And again, St. Peter's an armoured, amazed, astounded and loved with our Lord. So he says, Lord, uh, bid me that I may come out and walk on the water with you. And our Lord does. And St. Peter walks out uh, off the boat and he's walking on the water, uh, astounded by our Lord. But as you know, in the story, St. Peter starts to uh, be cognizant of the waves, the winds, and then he starts to look away and he becomes fearful. And he says to our Lord, calls out to our Lord uh, to assist him because he feels he's going to perish, he's going to sink, he's going to drown. And our Lord uh, embraces St. Peter and saves him from drowning. And it's a bit similar here in today's Gospel. St. Peter is an armoured of our Lord. But as soon as the cloud comes, as soon as he hears the loud voice of uh, the Father, uh, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased to hear him, the Gospel says what? St. Peter becomes fearful. And all the apostles, they they with our Lord, they uh, Peter and James and John, they, they fall on their face fearful, fearful. Uh, and why did St. Peter go from all of a sudden enamored, let us make a, a dwelling place for you, Moses and Elias, and let's hang out here, so to speak, uh, to a state from going from joy to fear? Well, the common thread between that and uh, what happens today and St. Peter's uh, uh, attempt to walk on the water is very similar. In both cases, St. Peter uh, takes his eyes off our Lord. And as soon as he takes his eye off the goalpost, 
he starts to become fearful. And uh, I think this is the danger for us. We we can become very fearful in our lives, very easily discouraged, easily uh, perhaps blameful, perhaps anxious, uh, perhaps stressed, worried. Perhaps many things start to eat up us up and they rob us of the joy, the happiness uh, that we should have as Catholics. And we start to experience discouragement, uh, sadness, sorrow, bitterness, uh, depression, uh, because we become fearful. And it is St. Paul who reminds us, I, I can do all things in Him who strengthens me. In other words, as long as I've got He who is the, the goalpost before me, with me, in me, then I can do all things. I can go forward with courage, with joy, with peace, uh, with gratitude, with hope. But as soon as I let go of that, as soon as I turn my eyes away from that, then we start to get discouraged. You know, we can be going through uh, life or Lent and we start to be acknowledging our, oh, look, oh, look how weak I am, look how fearful I am, look how uh, unhappy I am. And we can even start to say, well, what's the point of it all? Why, why am I even doing this? Or why am I going through? Why am I enduring this? Uh, and then we can start to get discouraged. Uh, and then the danger is we become... Uh, uh, entangled uh, in many unimportant secondary things but then we can also give in to the uh, the danger of self-pity discouragement sadness and then we tend to become ungrateful blameful Uh, we point the finger at everyone no no one's good enough everyone's bad the church is bad the world is bad my life is bad Uh, and it starts to eat us up Uh, and this is a very serious danger for us uh, we need to refocus, especially during this Lenten time, refocus on what? What is the goalpost? The goalpost is not that I am so brilliant and and that I do such a marvelous thing because I'm so holy, I'm so good. The goalpost is Christ. Christ is with me. I may fail, I may um, get discouraged, but I never lose sight of the goalpost. And, you know, if I fail in my Lenten resolutions, well, only a simple reminder of how weak I am. Uh, how incapable I am without Christ and how much in need I am of the grace of Christ. And it's only the grace of Christ that can transform me, that can uh, take up my loneliness and make it into His greatness because I am great in Him, with Him, through Him, not on my own, not my own efforts. And I think that's a powerful thought for us in this uh, uh, time to stay focused. Easy we can look around the world, the situation, uh, our own life, the family matters, uh, financial matters, doesn't matter. But we can use them all to be uh, in losing sight of the goalpost to become uh, discouraged and then we start to become bitter, worldly, um, childish, uh, 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 sometimes even uh, b- blaming God, becoming uh, uh, allowing ourselves to have, we might say, thoughts that God has somehow uh, uh, let us down. Uh, and this is a danger for us. We, on the contrary, we stay focused uh, on Christ. And that's, that's what's going to give us the joy to get through Lent cheerfully, generously, courageously, by not losing sight of who and what it is uh, that it's all about. It's about Christ, our union with Christ, and our drawing closer to Christ. 
And that means uh, generosity. That means uh, charity. That means growing in, uh, in being faithful to what Christ is asking of us because he has asked of us, but he will also give us the grace to accomplish these things. And so uh, simply to conclude with the beautiful words of the gradual of today's Mass, which really I think sum up uh, the whole reality of what I've put forth to you in such simple but profound words. The troubles of my heart are multiplied, says the gradual. Deliver me uh, from my difficulties, O Lord. See uh, my sorrow and my labor and forgive me all my sins. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.